Well, good morning and welcome. It's good to see everyone this morning. If you're a visitor with us this morning, we're glad to have you and, and are thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today. Our flowers this morning have been placed by Arlene Gertain in loving memory of Butch Gertain. Included in your bulletin is a little sheet that looks like this. It's the directory sheet. We'd like to update our church directory with all members and attendees. So if you would fill that sheet out and either mail it, email it, both of those addresses are in the bulletin, or drop it off at the welcome desk, uh, we'd like to update that information. And we'd like all the information by February 25th. Puzzle Mania is returning on March 1st at 6 p.m. We'll form teams of two or four people to compete to complete puzzles. Pizza will be provided, and each family that attends is asked to bring a dessert. Best of all, there will be prizes and bragging rights for the first and second place winners. Heart to heart, ladies. Don't forget, if you've signed up for the luncheon tomorrow, we'll meet at noon. And looking ahead, College and Career Group will meet on Tuesday, February 20th at 7, and there will be a hymn sing on Sunday, March 3rd at 6.30. Please read your bulletin carefully for the many regular weekly events and meetings. Well, she said there's bragging rights, and I got second last year, so I can brag. <laughs> I was the least of our group anyway. Well, let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you today uh, after another week, Lord, that we've spent uh, working uh, and striving, Lord, to, um, meet, to provide for our families and to take care of the cares of this world. But, Lord, we also uh, come together today as a family in Christ. Lord, we come to you today coming to the Father of light who shines light on us, who encourages us, who brightens our day, who provides for us, who walks alongside of us day by day. I just ask this morning, as your word is brought forth and we have the opportunity to praise and worship you together, that we, Lord, will use that fully to give you all the honor and all the glory. Amen. Whatever our circumstances are today, this week, this month, this year, I pray that this would be our heart's cry, that we will stand as children of the promise, that we will fix our eyes on him, our soul's reward, until the race is finished and the work is done, that we would walk by faith and not by sight. Please stand and let's sing together. By faith we see the hand of God.
Lord, we do just praise you for this morning. We praise you for the opportunity that we have to gather together as a church. Lord, we know that we have this mission from you, Lord, to go tell the world about you. And Lord, I pray that that's what we would be accomplishing individually and as a community, Lord, that we'd be telling the world about you, the great news that you're alive and that you are here with us this morning. And Lord, we gather together as, a, as your church to uh, just worship you this morning, to lift up your name, to make you great this morning. And Lord, we do take uh, just a moment right now to bring some requests before you, Lord, to uh, just come before you in prayer as well. Lord, we do just pray for uh, our missionary Sarah Campbell, Lord, as she's, uh, her, sur- her surgery was postponed into this week, Lord, we do just pray that it would be able to be a successful uh, surgery this week and that everything would go well there. Lord, we do uh, just praise you that Linda uh, Lay's surgery this past week went well, that everything is good there and that she's healing. We do just pray that you would continue to help her to heal and get back to full strength. Lord, we do just pray uh, for comfort uh, for Sarah Jane and their whole family at the passing of Sarah Jane's sister, Betty. We just pray that you would uh, surround the family with your love and uh, your comfort and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, we do pray for uh, John Croce as he's just continuing to try to get healing for his eye as he's doing uh, different treatments and trying to get the swelling to go down and just meeting with different doctors. I pray that everything would just go well, that the doctors would be able to get the swelling down and then treat uh, the eye as they need to. Lord, we do pray for uh, Priscilla Demko's cousin, Jessica. Lord, we do just pray that uh, you would just help the doctors as they take care of her to just figure out exactly what they need to do, and that she would be able to get healing from that. Lord, we do just pray for uh, Arlene, Lord, uh, that she just has her next chemo treatment coming up soon, Lord. We do just pray that you would uh, just bring healing to her. Lord, we pray for her as she goes through these different treatments, that you would just uh, just bless her and help her. the side effects not to be too uh, difficult for her. Lord, we do pray for Sherm, Lord, as he's still in the hospital. We do just pray for healing for him. We pray for comfort for him, and uh, we just pray that uh, the doctors would be able to take care of him, that everything would go well, uh, and he'd be able to get out of the hospital uh, hopefully soon. Uh, but Lord, I do just pray for healing for him. Lord, we do pray for uh, uh, Bruce Sherman's boss and friend, Ron, Lord, as he's uh, just, uh, just been in the hospital now for a little bit, and we pray to you that he's uh, just off the breathing tube, but Lord, we do just pray that you would continue to have healing. Lord, we do uh, continue to pray for our missionary, Herb Curden, Lord, as he's just, uh, he's been having a lot of health problems, and he's uh, still in the hospital, Lord, we do just pray for the doctors as they take care of him, we pray that they would uh, just bring healing to him. And Lord, we do pray uh, uh, for our missionary of the month, Lord, we pray for uh, just Skip and Rosie Kite, and we just pray that you would uh, bless them in their ministry, encourage them uh, just in their life, Lord. I know that they have, they have a lot happening, Lord. We do just pray that you'd be an encouragement to them, that you would uh, just be their strength, that you'd be their rock and their foundation. And Lord, we do just continue to pray for Haiti and everything that's happening over there, Lord. We do just pray that you would, uh, just, that you would work in that area. And Lord, we pray the same thing uh, just for the Middle East right now. Lord, uh, everything that's happening with Israel, we do just pray for peace. Uh, we pray that you'd be working in those different situations. Lord, as we continue uh, uh, the service, Lord, we pray that we would be able to uh, just glorify you, magnify you in everything that we do and everything that we say uh, and the songs that we're going to sing. And as we open up your word and hear from you, we do just pray that you would receive the honor and glory. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Continue to worship in song. And as we sing, children in first through third are dismissed for Children's Church. Please stand. Thank you. 
Please be seated. Please open your Bibles to Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5. We're reading verses 13 through 16. Chapter 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Before we begin the message, I do uh, just want to take a moment and uh, just make a, uh, I don't know if this would be an announcement or an invitation, um, in, in about a month and a half from now, we're going to be having Easter, and one of the big things that we do every year around Easter time is the Easter egg hunt. It's a great outreach. We have a lot of uh, kids from the community and the area get together, and they look for Easter eggs, and this has been something that uh, has been a pretty big uh, thing that our church has done every spring for the past couple years. And I'm, lo I'm looking forward to doing it again this year, but I want to just say up front that normally it's something that me and Pastor Sky in the past have worked together on, and I could use help this year. So if anyone here is interested in kind of working with me to head this up um, and to really uh, step up and just help, uh, be a help hand, helping hand for me during this Easter egg hunt, uh, please see me afterwards. I would love to kind of work with someone uh, to kind of make this thing happen because uh, it's really a great outreach that we have for our children. So that's just kind of a way by announcement, and let's open up now in a word of prayer before we get into the word. Lord, we do uh, just praise you for this chance that we have to gather as a church to open up your word, to hear from you this morning. Lord, I pray that uh, as we look into your word, as we uh, look deeper into these ideas of salt and light, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would uh, just impact us, that you would change us for you, Lord, that you would uh, just encourage us to be more and more like you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. When I was a teenager, my youth group used to go to a summer camp every year, and uh, we went to the same camp multiple years in a row, and it was just our youth group. It was kind of a uh, small summer camp, but one of the highlights that we had every year with that summer camp was we did a big night of manhunt one night. And what manhunt is, for you guys uh, who don't know, is there's uh, a team of uh, hiders and a team of seekers. And the team of hiders takes about five minutes and goes and hides anywhere on the entire camp in the dark. And then the team of seekers takes flashlights and has to go find them. And we did this over the course of multiple years. And over the course of a couple years, the youth group kind of uh, realized something. That's that one of the leaders was never, ever found. So this became kind of like a legend of like who could find the leader? Where was he hiding? Would anybody be able to find him? And then eventually the truth came out. And that's the, it's not about where this leader was hiding. The leader said he could hide wherever he wanted. But what he did was as soon as it began time to uh, start hiding, he would go off and he would ch get changed completely into a camo suit. And then it didn't matter where he hid because he could literally hide anywhere and nobody was going to find him. He became completely invisible in his camo suit. And you know, I think sometimes we as Christians, we act like we have our own camo suit. You know, during Sunday, we're all out here in church, but then during the week, we put on our camo suit and we hide away. We hide our faith. We hide the fact that we're followers of the Lord. And we kind of keep that from the people around us. What we're going to talk about this morning is Jesus is going to say there's no place for hiding there's no place for having a camo suit for our Christianity. Instead, we're supposed to let people know that we're believers. We're supposed to shine in the world around us. Now, we're continuing our series 
uh, building on the rock that we're, we started last week going through the Sermon on the Mount. And these are uh, a one big message that Jesus has uh, for believers and specifically people who want to follow after Christ. And he says, here's what it's going to look like to follow after me. And last week we looked at some of the Beatitudes, the blessings that Jesus says uh, are for people who follow after him and in different spots of life. And the last blessing that he laid out for us in verse 10 through 12 she says, blessed are the persecuted. And he says, blessed are you when you receive persecution. And a lot of the Christians who may have heard that may have said, well, uh, uh, hold up a second. Can we pull back from this? Can, if we are being persecuted, can we kind of retreat and hide away? And that's where Jesus turns to next. He's going to say, don't hide away. The response to persecution is not to back off and to hide away. It's to be bold and be confident about your faith and to put it on display for the world around us. And Jesus is going to give us two illustrations of what that looks like. The first one is salt, and the second one is light. And we're going to kind of walk through them this morning. But these are Jesus' way of saying to us, hey, don't hide away your faith. Instead, put it on display for the world around us. The first thing that Jesus says is he calls us the salt of the earth. Let's read verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So the very first thing that Jesus calls us to be is the salt of the earth. Now, why would he use salt? What is it about salt? Salt is used for a lot of different things. And uh, back 2,000 years ago, it was also used for a lot of different things. But it's two primary purposes that it would have, especially back then, was it would be for flavoring, but it would also be for preserving. You see, back then they didn't have refrigerators and freezers the way we have them today. So if you had meat and you wanted it to last more than just a day, you would salt it. You would cover it with salt. You would rub salt into it, and that is what would preserve the meat. In fact, in that area, they were right around the Sea of Galilee, which was big for its fishing business. Uh, in fact, multiple of Jesus' disciples were fishermen, and they would be very comfortable with the idea of getting the fish, cleaning the fish, and then rubbing salt in the fish before they sent it out anywhere to be sold. That would just be part of the process. Salt was just commonplace for preserving to prevent from spoiling. And it also had the added benefit of adding flavor. And then Jesus says, this is how we are supposed to be in the earth. That we're supposed to be the ones who stand in the earth to prevent it from spoiling, prevent it from going bad. And this brings before us, first of all, a reality that the world is going bad. The world is spoiling. That's just part of the direction of the world. In fact, we know when we read the big picture of the Bible that the world is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. It will have a good ending, but it's going to get worse for, first. The earth is being corrupted, and it's being corrupted by sin. We need to be clear about that. It's not just being corrupted by uh, politicians or uh, anything like that. It's being corrupted by sin. And we see that when we look at the world around us. I don't think I need to uh, go into uh, some deep thing to prove this. When you look around you, you see the corruption in the world. When you turn on the TV, when you turn on your computer or your phone, you go on social media, you look in the news, you go in a classroom nowadays, you see the corruption in the world. And Jesus says you as Christians are supposed to do something about it. We're supposed to do our best to prevent the spoiling of the world. So how do we do that? I'm going to mention three quick things here this morning. The first thing we have to do is we as Christians have to speak up. We have to be bold about our faith. We have to speak the truth in the midst of a world that loves to lie. We've got to be committed to the truth of the message, and we have to be bold about saying that in the midst of a world that wants to persecute the truth, who wants to silence the truth, who wants to put down the truth. We need to be bold and speak up to the truth. We need to be bold in different, in different areas of our life. And at home, we need to be bold about the truth. In work, we need to be bold about the truth. In the political sphere, we need to be bold about declaring the truth. And we especially need to be bold about declaring the truth. We need to stand up for people who can't stand for themselves, people who aren't able to speak up for themselves. We need to protect them. We need to voice the truth in the world that wants to lie. But you know, the, the, there's a step beyond that, and that's 
that we can't just speak up about the truth. We then have to love and care for people. You see, as the world is spoiling, corrupting, as the sin is taking hold in the world, the fact of the matter is people suffer from it. In fact, all sin produces suffering in some way, shape, or form. So we as Christians, we have to help the suffering. We've got to get involved. We've got to pray for people. We've got to love people. We've got to take care of people. We have to tangibly figure out how we can help the world around us. That's something that uh, is one of the active goals of our new ministry that we've just started, the Love Thy Neighbor ministry, is so that we as a church are reaching out to those around us and to love those who are going through hard times, to care for those who are going through hard times. And we need to do that as Christians. We need to be there to stand in the way of the corruption, of the spoiling of the world to protect those who need help. But then it can't just end there. We then need to get to the core of the problem, which is the core of the problem of the sin, is the sin of the world. That's what's spoiling the world. That's what's corrupting the world. And the only real solution to the sin problem is Jesus Christ. So we ultimately, we need to share Christ with people. This is the core of it. If we're going to deal with the root of the problem in the world around us, the only answer that we have to give is Jesus Christ. So we need to share Christ with those around us. We need to share Christ with individuals. You know, I've talked a, couple, a little bit now about the spoiling of the world, like it's some big picture. But you know, the solution is not to try to change the entire world. It's to try to change one life, to try to change one person. God, although he uh, talks and, uh, and acts on a big picture world perspective, and he deals with nations, he deals with kingdoms, the Bible also talks the fact that he deals with individuals. God cares about individuals. He cares about your family member and your friend and your coworker and your boss and your teacher or your classmate. God cares about individuals. And it starts with us sharing Christ with individuals, with one-on-one people, having the impact that we can have on one life. And if we can do that, then we can start to change the community around us for the Lord. I'm not saying we're going to be able to solve the entire world spoiling problem. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but we care about lives. We can change one life. We can change one life with the gospel, one community with the gospel. But in order to do that, the passage here lays out one thing that we need to do ourselves. And the answer is, we, or the, what it gives us here is that we need to be salty. In fact, it says here in the verse, if the, salty, if the salt loses its taste, how is the saltiness going to be restored? If it stops being salt, what good is it? And Jesus says it's not good. In fact, you might as well throw it out and for, have it be trampled on by the people who are passing by. And you say, wow, that's, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh words. And Jesus says, this is how much you need to preserve your Saltiness. Now, how does saltiness lose its taste? Salty, salt by itself does not lose its taste. But what would happen, especially back then, is, as they made the salt, is sometimes the salt would get contaminated by other minerals and different things that would get caught up with it. And as that would happen, the salt would start to lose its effectiveness because it got corrupted by the minerals and the different things that were surrounding it. It's the same with us. We can lose our effectiveness as salt if we get mixed in too much with the world around us. The spoiling that's happening around us, if we get so focused on that, if we fall in love with that, then it corrupts us and we lose our saltiness. Now, this does not mean that we can lose our salvation. The Bible is very clear that once you're saved, you are always saved and you cannot lose your salvation. But Jesus does say that it hurts your effectiveness to be a witness for him. It says you lose your saltiness. And he says if that's the case, you might as well be thrown out and trampled on by people as they pass by. And this starts with us loving the world around us. If we look like the world, if we act like the world, if we sin like the world, then how are we the salt in the world? In John chapter 2, verse 15, It says very clearly, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That lays some pretty clear lines for us. 
Now, I should be clear on what, what this means, love the world. Because in one sense, God, it's John 3.16, says God loves the world. God loves the whole world. But what that means is that he loves and wants to save the world. What this passage is referring to is loving the things of the world. Loving the way the world works. Loving the sins that the world provides. And it says, do not love the world or the things of the world. Because you can't love God and the things of the world. We get this, uh, I, I don't even know if I can call it a full story in the Bible, but this description of this guy named Demas. And Demas gets mentioned a couple times. He's somebody who travels around with Paul. And he's mentioned a couple times in Paul's letters as someone who was traveling with him. But in Paul's last letter that he writes, in 2 in Timothy ver, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Paul's writing a letter to his friend Timothy, and he asks Timothy to come visit him, and he brings up this guy Demas. And it's a really sad description that Paul gives for this guy Demas. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. That's such a sad summary of a person. And that's really the only description in the entire Bible that we get of this person. This guy named Demas. That he was somebody who was with Paul, but then he fell in love with his present world. And he deserted Paul. And he desert, deserted the gospel message because he chased after the things of the world. But the sad reality is that I've seen people in just my lifetime that looked a lot like this. There were people who were on fire for the Lord, people who wanted to serve the Lord, but fell in love with the things of this world and walked away from it all and said, I'd rather chase the things of the world than serve the Lord. We can't be like that. We need to be people who want to serve the Lord first. You know, the world will do anything it can to make us comfortable if it means we have to trade the Lord. In fact, I'm sure if you gave Satan the option of saying, hey, would you give this person $1,000 if they turned on the Lord? Satan would be like, yeah, let's take that. Satan will give you whatever you want to turn on the Lord. But we have to decide that loving the Lord is more important. We need to stay as the salt of the earth. So that's the first description that we're given here is the salt of the earth. And then Jesus gives us a second description. He says, you are the light of the world. Let's see what he says in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that may, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus then light, lays before us this second illustration of the light of the world. And what's particularly interesting about this second illustration is that it's actually something that Jesus claims about himself just as much as he claims about us. In fact, in John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we have this interesting thing where Jesus calls himself something, and then he calls us the same thing. And he calls us to be like him. So what does it mean to be the light of the world? Because it means two different things when Jesus talks about it versus when we talk about it. When Jesus talks about it, what he means is he is the light that shines in the darkness that provides the solution to the entire world. And what we mean when we say we're the light of the world is we're the ones who take that light from Jesus and put it on display for those around us. You see, what is the purpose of light? The purpose of light is not to attract attention, although there are a couple lights that do that, like a neon sign or something like that. The, the, then the goal of the light is to get you to look at it. But most of the time, the goal of light is not to get you to look at it. It's instead to illuminate something else. In fact, I don't think anyone sitting here today is standing here looking up at our light saying, wow, have you seen those lights today? They're just really cool today. No, that's not the point of the lights that are above your head. The point of the light is to help you see each other, help you see the Bible, help you see me, so that we're not sitting here in darkness. That's what light does. It illuminates something else. And we are called to be lights. What are we supposed to illuminate? God. 
the gospel message, the Bible, and what He has to say to us. We are supposed to illuminate Christ. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you've been walking around your house at night and it's dark and you don't have any light and you stub your toe because you kick something and you're like, oh, if I just had the light on then I would have seen that. But the fact of the matter is, in the darkness we can very quickly miss something. But in the light, we don't miss it. And that's what we're supposed to be for the world around us. We're supposed to make sure the world doesn't miss God by shining the light on Him. So how do we do that? How, how, how do we do that? Jesus gives us two pictures, two descriptions of what that actually looks like. The first one is he says, he calls us a city on a hill. Now back then, there were a lot of hills and it was very common for people to build a city at the top of the hill because it was uh, easy to defend in case it ever got attacked. But the result of that is a lot of cities ended up on the hill so people who were traveling, passing by, they would see that city from a distance especially at night if the, city, if the city had any lights on, that you'd be able to see it from a distance. You'd be able to know where you were and where the city was. You'd be drawn to the city. And Jesus says that's how you're supposed to be. A modern example of that to me would probably be a city skyline. I don't know if you've ever driven past Philadelphia or New York or Baltimore or something like that at night, and you just see the skyline right there, and you're just like, that is the city. You see it from a distance. You don't have to get up close it attracts your attention from a distance. And Jesus says, you're supposed to be like that, a city that would be on a hill that would attract the attention of those around you. And then Jesus gives a second description. The second description is a lamp. He says, you light a lamp, you put it on display in the house, and what does that lamp do in the house? Again, just like I said, the light's goal is not to attract the attention, but it's to light up the house so you can see everything around you. Now, what's interesting about the fact that Jesus gives two descriptions there is one of them is a community and one of them is an individual, right? A city on a hill is a community of people who live for God. And we as a church are called to be a city on a hill, a community of people that when people pass by, they see the church and they see the people and they say those are people who love the Lord and who love other people and who love each other. And the second description is an individual's that we are supposed to be individual lights in different settings, in different houses, in different workplaces. We're supposed to be individual lights that shine for God. So we have both of these descriptions. One of them is as a community. One of them is as an individual. But in both, we have the same goal, right? To shine for Jesus. In fact, Jesus gives us the goal at the end of verse 16. What's the goal of it all? It says that they would give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's the goal of us shining. We're not trying to shine uh, and shine our light because we want attention, because we want people to look at us. It's that people see us and they will give glory to the Lord. So then what does that actually look like to us? And we get these two descriptions from here. And the first one is that we are called to not hide our faith. We're not supposed to be people who hide away, who are in camo gear and hide away our faith. The picture that's up here is of a spy, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I love a good spy movie. I love, you know, that question of who's on whose team, who's a spy, who's a double agent, who's a secret agent, you know, all the, this guessing game that you come up with in all these spy movies. I love that. I love a good spy movie. But we're not called as Christians to be spies. You know, when we get the description in Ephesians 6 of we're supposed to be uh, uh, people uh, serving the Lord as an army, you know, it's not an undercover army. We're supposed to be very upfront about it. The description that we get here in this passage is Jesus says, nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Nobody hides it away. No one's trying to hide the light. Because that's not what we do with light. We don't try to hide it. We try to shine it. But you know, it can be very tempting in life to hide our faith, can't it? Sometimes we, when we see the world around us, we feel that we don't know enough to talk about our faith with other people because they're going to talk us under the table. We're going to be embarrassed because they know more than we do. Or sometimes we hide our faith because we think that it will create divisions between us and our family member or our friends. Maybe we hide our faith because we don't like the attention, to be honest. We don't want to get singled out. We don't want to get embarrassed. Maybe we hide our faith because we think that we'll be looked down on if we're a Christian. We'll be called uh, the, uh, no fun or nobody likes us. 
When I was a teenager and my little group of friends, they called me the conscious of the group. And what that meant was I was always the one who said, guys, I don't think this is a good idea whenever they came up with an idea. (laughs) And it was their polite way of saying to me that, you know, I'm the fun killer of the group. And it was very tempting when I was being called that to kind of back down and to hide away. And I'm sure I did many times when I was a teenager because I didn't want to come off as the person who ruined everyone's fun. But, you know, that's not how we're supposed to live. We're, su- we're supposed to shine for the Lord and not hide our faith. And that brings us to the second thing. is this, We're supposed to shine for the Lord. We're supposed to stand out from the world. And this means living differently from the world, not living the way the world lives. Now, that does not mean living a perfect life. We are going to stumble. We are going to sin that will be a part of us, but we should be actively living to fight against that, to try to live better, to try to live for the Lord, to try to live uh, with other people in a loving community. And people should see that in us, that we should stand different from the world around us. And we should be showing people that being a Christian isn't making you worse off today, but it's making you better Oftentimes, I feel like when people present Christianity, it often comes off like this. You've got to, you know, follow the Lord today. You've got to abide by all the rules today. But in the future, things are going to be better for you. But, you know, that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible doesn't say the future alone is going to be better for you. It says that your life today will be better for you if you are following the Lord. It says that uh, peace comes from the Lord. Joy comes from the Lord. Hope comes from the Lord. Your life will be better today by following the Lord. And we need to display that to those around us. We need to be displaying the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, the hope of the Lord. We need to let those around us know, hey, it's not just about your eternal state, although it is, but it's also about today and God's ability to work with you today to make your life better. So is that something that we're displaying to the world around us? Are we showing them that there's a better way to live than what the world has to offer? One example of what that would look like, there's an organization called Word of Life, and today uh, is the Super Bowl. Many of you guys are aware of that. And one of the things that Word of Life does every year during the Super Bowl is they put on what's called an alternative halftime show. And what they do during this alternative halftime show is they uh, have music, they have uh, typically a snowboarding exhibition, and then someone comes up and just talks for just a couple minutes about the Lord to people. And the goal of them doing that is to show the world around them that there's a better way than to watch what the world's putting out as a halftime show. To watch what's being put out today uh, by the NFL and by, I believe, Usher is the one doing it this year. There's a better option than what the world has to offer. And that's what Word of Life is trying to display in their halftime show. Is, hey, there's a better alternative than what the world has to offer. And it's not a worse option. It's not like you have to compromise because you're a Christian. No, there's a better option because we have the Lord. It's something better than what the world has to offer. So is that how we are? Is that the way we're living our lives? Are we trying to show the world that there's a better way to live? Are we shining as lights that point people to the Lord? Are we shining as lights that, as it says here, people see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven? Is that what we're doing? And I will say that part of that, and this is really where I want to end the message, is part of that is, comes down to sharing the gospel with people. Are we willing to open up our mouths, not just, you know, kind of live out uh, our lives, say, okay, well, my actions look good, so maybe that's enough. But no, are we willing to open our mouths and talk to people and say, listen, I love God and I'd love to share him with you. Are you comfortable sharing the gospel with people around you? What is the gospel message? The gospel message is the good news that we, even though we are sinners and our sin has separated us from God, God, because of his great love for us, sent Jesus to this earth to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, and then to rise again three days later to conquer sin and death. And if we believe in that, if we place our faith in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross, that we can have our sins forgiven. We can have peace with God. We can have an eternal future with him. We can have hope and joy and peace 
today. That's the gospel message. Are you able to share that with people around you? Are you comfortable sharing that with people around you? We do as a church, we want to help you with that in case you don't know what to say or you think, oh, I don't know if I'll say things right. We do as a church, we want to help you, and we do a couple things that help you and provide different resources to you, and I just want to quickly go over these resources with you right now, just a couple different resources. First of all, we have these tracks, for those of you who are like tracks. We have a handful of tracks back in the um, coat room in the foyer. This is just one of the tracks that I grabbed there. This one's actually put on by uh, Billy Graham's organization. And these tracks give a clean gospel message. It's very straightforward. It walks you through. This one has a four steps uh, in the gospel message. And you can walk through that and it has verses that go with it. So I'd encourage you, pick up a track in the back. They're right in the coat room. Carry it around with you. Put it in your backpack. Put it in your car or something and keep it with you so that you're comfortable sharing the gospel. If you don't know what to say, you can pull this out. and It'll help you walk through the gospel message. But maybe you're not a track person. Maybe you say, oh, I don't like having paper stuff anymore. I'm all in the digital age today. And if you're like that, then there are options there as well. For those of you with a smartphone, there's an app called Life in Six Words. It's put, developed by Dare to Share Ministries. Dare to Share Ministries is an organization that's all about sharing your faith. And they give a clear gospel message in this one app called Life in Six Words. And you can download that app. You can pull it out. You can walk through with somebody, and it gives a gospel message. It, takes, it walks you through the gospel message in six words, in six points. So if you're looking for a resource, download the app. Just leave it on your phone. It doesn't take up that much storage on your, sp- on your phone. Leave it there, and it's something you can pull out if you want to share the gospel with somebody. But even, even a more basic thing, if you just have the Internet, and you're like, well, I, I just have the Internet. What can I do? If you go to our church website, We have a section in the church website called The Good News. You click on that tab, it takes you to a page on our website. That that page has two things. First of all, it's a YouTube video that is someone sharing the gospel in three minutes. It's a three-minute gospel presentation that's right there on YouTube that's uh, available on our website. And the second thing that it does is it has all the word, it has a full write-out of the gospel message. It has points about what it means to believe in God. And it walks through the gospel. And that's a resource that you can pull out if you're with someone and you want to share the gospel and you're like, I don't have anything, go to our website, quittinbaptist.com. It's right there. So we have these resources that we make available to you and we do this as a church because we want you guys to be equipped to share Christ with those around you. But the big question is, are you going to do it? Are you going to be a light in the world? Are you going to be the salt of the earth? And share Christ with those around you. The world is spoiling because of sin. We have the answer in Jesus Christ. The world is dark because of the sin. We have the answer, the light of Christ. Are we showing that to the world? Are we bringing the gospel forward? Now, I know sometimes it can be hard and it can be uncomfortable. But it's also the loving thing that we can do for the world. It's the loving thing that you can do for your family member, for your friend who desperately needs to hear about Christ. But the question that gets left before us is, are we going to shine as lights? Are we going to be the salt of the earth? Or are we going to be in camo gear and hide away? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we praise you for the great news of the gospel, that you love us, that even though we're caught up in our sin, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin and then to rise again three days later and to conquer sin and death. And Lord, that is our hope. That is our message. That is what we live by. It's changed my life. I pray that it's changed the lives of everyone here. If anyone's life has not been changed by that message, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they think deeper about you. That they think deeper about their relationship with you and that they turn to you for the forgiveness of their sins. But Lord, I pray that we would be representatives of that gospel, Lord, that we would be lights that shine in the world around us, that we'd be the salt that preserves the world. And Lord, that it wouldn't be by our strength, that it wouldn't be about us uh, being great ourselves, but it would be about showing the world you, that we'd be lights that illuminate you up in the world around us. Lord, I pray that we'd be willing to open up our mouths and share the gospel message. 
Lord, that we wouldn't hide from it, that we'd be bold about it, that we'd display it to the world around us, that we would tell the world around us. Lord, we pray that we would be sent by you into the world to change the world. Lord, we know that we already are. I pray that we would live that out. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Out of our lives, each of our individual lives, and out of our church, may Jesus shine. Please stand. As we head out today, uh, I want to just first of all offer up an invitation if anyone, you know, heard what we were talking about today when I talked about the gospel message and what that meant, and you just had questions, you had uh, thought, uh, things that you were curious about. 
We have people up front who would love to sit and talk with you and pray with you and talk through the gospel message with you so that you can understand it more clearly. If anything that I said was confusing, we would love to talk to you about that. We also have uh, people up front would love to talk to you about if you have, uh, if you need encouragement to shine for the Lord, if you have reservations or fears that you just need encouragement and you need prayer for, they would love to just pray with you and encourage you to live for the Lord. And this is what we have today. Are we going to be the salt and light of the earth? Are we going to display God to the world around us? And Lord, as we go out today, I pray that we would be a city on a hill, that we would be a lamp that's put on display, that we'd be lights to shine for you. Lord, I pray that we would be people who live for you, who shine for you, who display you to the world around us, and who offer up the hope of the gospel to them. Pray that we wouldn't hide our faith, we would put it on display for you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.